All right, so, um, can you tell me something I really didn't need to know? Hey, Mom, tell me something I didn't need to know. So how about let's learn something we really don't need to know. Hello. <laughs> God, we're good. Hi, Mary. Hi, Hannah. Hi, That's Andrew. Exactly how you start the show. I know. Andrew. Oh, all screwed up. Well, that's us. And we do it well. We're professional screw-uppers. That is in the ling English dictionary, I swear it is. I I've know, seen it. Our photos are right there. Yep. Right. Breaking there. How are you today? I am doing dandy. How are you? I'd be better if my sister was using a coaster. I was just about to say, you know, you throw a coaster at me and she just puts her drink right on the table. I am. I am using a coaster. I'm telling you. Welcome, everyone. First world problems and all. Welcome to Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know. I'm Mary Swartz. I'm Hannah Green. And I'm Andrew. Just Andrew. That's okay. We love our Just Andrew. That's right, we do. Thanks oh, for wait, spending wait, wait, some... Wait, 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 I'm not Just Andrew. You, just, you said the... that. Okay, so I was wrong. I'm allowed to be wrong. That's the first. Hang on, let me write that down. Yep. There's something you didn't need to know. This is the first day in 31 years I've ever been wrong. Now, <laughs> I am not just Andrew. I am the Andrew. That's right. I am the Andrew of all Andrews. Amen. Thanks for that. Hallelujah. Now that I've stolen the spotlight. Praise Thank God Lord. he is the Andrew, the one and only, because I don't think we could handle two of him. Thank God we don't have rattlesnakes. We'd be praising the Lord and passing them. <laughs> I can't handle one of me, so. It's all right. Some days, none of us can handle ourselves. Thanks for spending some time with us, guys. Appreciate yeah. you uh, turning us on and listening to our. Yes, I love it when people turn me on. Lunacy. <laughs> Mary, what's happening on our other podcast? All righty. Woo, woo, woo. All right. On Wednesday the 18th, Murder, Mischief, and Moscato. It is entitled... A rabbit here, a rabbit there. Weren't you just talking about undivided attention at some point? You're just fiddling around. That was only yesterday. You're not giving any undivided attention to the show. It was yesterday. Today's a brand new day. I can... She fidgets a lot. I, I know. Hannah does too. She just doesn't realize that. Oh, I know that I fidget. I also talk with my hands. I don't fidget at all. She's I just a... don't stay in my chair. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. A rabbit here, a rabbit there. Uh, Hannah and Mary took the murderous villain test, and Hannah covers the story of Mary Taft, who gave birth to some quite unusual things. Things. We'll leave it at things. The following week on the 25th has got to be my second favorite episode we've ever done. Ooh, what is it? Yard Sale Bargains. Oh my god. That yeah. was an awesome episode. That was freaking amazing. Yes, yes, it was. That is funny. Yes, that is one of those ones that should have been done live in front of a camera because Hannah's face was fantastic. In front of a live studio audience. In front of a live studio audience. Yeah, no mistakes here. Oh, my gosh. None. Yeah. All none. right. <clears throat> Sweet. Mistakeless. Mary. Yeah. What are we drinking? Hard ocean water. Isn't it beautiful? It looks like it came out of my toilet. You have blue water in your toilet? When she puts the cleaner in, I'm, I assume. It did. Mm. That's why your dog drinks out of the toilet. I don't have a dog. <laughs> I'm drinking water. <laughs> so are we. So are we. Hard ocean water. I'm drinking water water. 
Hard ocean water is made with uh, coconut rum, blue Caraco, and a little bit of Sprite. That's it. Simple, easy, and nice. delicious and a little bit different. Nice. Yeah. Well, we did try something earlier. It was not quite up to our expectations. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. <sighs> it did not live up to my expectations. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't wow. Yeah. No, there was a wow. It was kind of wow. This is different. <laughs> Which is better than the wow that has been accompanied by us spitting it out. Yeah, that happened last weekend. Oof. That was rough. Go you. Oh. Here's the scenario. We're sitting in the car. My car. Is this pertinent to the the podcast? Absolutely. Okay. It's something they didn't need to know. Oh, okay. Sitting in our car. We're having a bottle of wine. Wait a minute. (laughs) You are openly admitting to drinking in a vehicle. Okay, it was parked. Hold on, listen. We were parked at a campground. Okay, so... We're sitting in the vehicle. We're drinking some wine. We run out of wine. We weren't driving anywhere. Hannah says, I'll go get some more. So she runs up to the campground. To the campsite. She brings back two bottles. She said, here, I brought this one. And I brought this one in case this one sucks. Because the first bottle is something I've never tried before. It's a brand I've never had before. It's totally new. Wasn't cheap. She opens it up and she smells it. And the look on her face was like, oh, this can't be good. But, you know, sometimes the way things smell is deceptive. You're right. You're right. Okay. Uh, but it, it reminds me of the moment we opened one of Grandpa's standalone wines. That was better. Oh, wow. That's bad. So, <laughs> so your mom says... I take the bottle and I smell it and I'm like... Yeah. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take one for the team and I'm going to take a little teeny tiny... She says, tiny, I'll try it. I'm going to take a little teeny tiny swig right out of the bottle. We're not even, even going to contaminate a glass. I open my door and spit it out. I couldn't even swallow it. It was bad. She hands it back to me, and because I am who I am, she has to try it too. Yeah, of course. It's just the way things yeah. work. It's not good. Not good. I did swallow mine, but I will say that I. She's tougher than I am. I didn't swallow enough to get a bird drunk. Her face was. Yeah, her face was horrified. I'm glad that we had a second bottle that was good, though. Yeah. October 15th. Happy Sunday, everybody. Woohoo! Mary? Yes. Do you know what October... It's not October 15th. You're right, it's not. But you just said October. Because that's what I wrote. I wrote October 15th. Don't ask me. Don't ask me. (laughs) Let's try this again. Happy August 15th, everybody. It's Sunday. It is Sunday. It's always Sunday. It is National... Relaxation day. Ooh, we like a good relaxation. Because as if it wasn't already Sunday, which is a day to slow down, relax, unwind, take a load off. Listen to your favorite podcast. For those of, I just want to say, for those of us who have a real job, there is no national relaxation day. Oh, I'm aware. I'm aware. Trust Tana works me. a real job, too. I work a real job, and on my days off, I work a podcast job. So I don't get days off. I don't consider this a real job. We just have fun and drink. Except for that we research stories and <laughs> okay. we do and we merchandise and we I social media and yeah. yeah. Andrew has fun and I drink. show up sometimes. Okay. <laughs> That's all right. All right, August fifteenth. <laughs> so National Relaxation Day is is really an important day because we all need to take a break from time to time. Seriously. Everybody needs to take a break once in a while, kick back. She is reading this right to Andrew. 
I mean, she's like got her eyes. Are making eye contact. Deadlocked across. I feel like, table. yeah. I mean, we're we're, we're having we're a respectful fine. conversation here. You're off to the side, like doing your own thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew and I are across the table from each other. We're having an adult conversation. I'm having. I can't have those. My oh, parents told me not to talk to strangers. <laughs> You, you are, are stranger strange. than I am. <laughs> wow. You are strange. <laughs> is it the purple hair? Sure. Is it the bees hanging from my ears? I Wait, thought she was going to go the... Yeah, look. Oh, I didn't even notice those were bees. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I have little bees. Flowers and bees. Yeah. <laughs> I have some obsidian no, around just, my neck. I just know you well enough to know that oh, you're just okay. a stranger person than I am. I have an elephant and a turtle on my wrist. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Just bring in the whole jungle. That's right. No, Welcome seriously, though. <laughs> We've got fun and games. <laughs> all right. It's, it really is important for all of us to take a few minutes, an hour, a day. Give our minds a break. Give our emotions a break. Just relax and let the stress of the rest of the week go off on its own for a while. Lock it in the closet. Lose the key for an hour. Play a video game, read a book, take a nap, whatever it is that you need to do to take care of you. I think it's important that we all do that. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, it's appropriate that it's a Sunday and it's National Relaxation Day. We'll go with that. That is very appropriate. Yeah. yeah so, we'll call up a friend, throw a burger on the grill. Play some ring toss. Play some cornhole. I said ring toss, not cornhole. <laughs> Play some lawn darts with your siblings. With the Throw old them up in the darts. air and watch everybody scatter. That's right. With the real lawn darts. Yeah, that's what we used to do. Throw the how, how high can you throw it in the air? I spent yesterday playing Nerf guns with my son. That is know, perfectly cool. Yes, I taught him to drive. Pardon me? I taught him to drive. Drive what? That part's not important. Okay. Vehicles, motorized vehicles. I taught him how to drive. He's 11 years old and he knows how to drive. He only crashed about 18 times. It's okay. Mario Kart? Nope. Oh, okay. Real life. Because I was just going to say, listen, I crash all the time on Mario Kart. <laughs> Terrible. I have no hand-eye coordination at all. No. Uh, <coughs> my wife's family has a golf cart. Oh, all right. So he got to learn to drive a golf cart. All right. Fun. That was fun. Grandpa would have approved. I know. Yes, he would have. All right. August 15th is also World Honey Bee Day. Always on the third Sunday in August. She's wearing bees. I know. I'm just saying. This day recognizes both the honeybee and the beekeeper who tend the hives. It also encourages everyone to enjoy and buy locally grown honey. So another important part of the day includes learning about honeybees, uh, learning about providing them with a supportive environment. When we plant wildflowers, orchards, or other flowering plants, we support the pollinators such as honeybees because they depend on the nectar of a variety of plants for their survival. And conversely, we depend on honeybees for our survival because they pollinate all of our fruits and vegetables. Yep. Without their pollinating abilities, many nutritious plants would not ever reproduce. Added bonus is their delicious honey. Yeah. Right. So, how to observe it? Collect and spread local wildflower seeds to promote their pollination. Um, understand that the variety, the flavors of honey vary depending on the variety of flowers and the nectar that's available to them, which 
we went to a honeybee farm last year and it was an amazing educational place. Give the gift of honey to your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. Use hashtag World Honeybee Day and post it on social media. Very lovely. I do have a national day. <gasps> what? It's made up. Oh, it's a big <laughs> <laughs> Today is National Andrew Appreciation Day. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So find your local Andrew. Yes. Tell him how much you appreciate him. You just tell him you're proud of him and, and yeah, and you appreciate him. Because every Andrew deserves a little bit of appreciation. That's right. That was pretty damn funny. I thought so. <laughs> Just because I was unprepared, you know. That's all right. <laughs> I think that was good. All right. That was good. Mary, do you have tidbits for us? I do. Okay. All right. We're I like how neither one of you chose to participate in National Andrew Appreciation Day. <laughs> <laughs> to appreciate. Andrew Barnyard. I appreciate. Barnhard. Barnyard. Wow. Barnyard. Barnhart. I know who you were talking about. Who's a famous Andrew? Because I don't think I even know any famous Andrew. I am Andrew. a famous Andrew. Andrew. There's 1,300 people that know about Andrew this Andrew. Andrew Dice Clay. I don't like him. He's like the only famous <clears throat> Andrew I know. Andy Griffith. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is well, he still alive, though? I doubt it. We can appreciate he his death. He might be, though. Why would you appreciate his death? If we didn't like him, we would. Oh, There's okay. people that I would appreciate their death. Uh, Andrew Carnegie. You guys suck. <laughs> oh, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Oh, I love Andrew Lloyd Webber and stuff. Oh, I'm wow. really proud of you. Wow. Can Moving on, on from National Andrew Appreciation Day, go ahead. All right, we're going to visit with a man named Luis Angelinos III. I feel like I might have done a story about him. Does he belong to the Bonanno family? Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> Luis Angelino III not only works a normal 40-hour-a-week job, but he also cleans friends' homes on the side for an extra bit of cash. Okay? He said it's not only a source of cash for him, but it is a type of therapy because he grew up as a very messy child. Okay. So he arrives at what he thinks is a friend of a friend's condo. So his friend referred him to a friend of his. They've never met. He gets the address. He goes to the condo. It's in South Jersey. He okay. looks for a key under the map because that's where he's told it was. All right. There's a key. Okay. Takes the key out, goes in, gets to work. Now, inside the condo, there are two cats, and he makes friends with the cats, and they're having a good time. They're friends. He's cleaning. The man who owns the condo, his name is Mark. Mark calls. How are things going? Louise says, I'm a cat person. I'm like... I'm patting your cat. In the story Having goes, a good time. Mark said, did what you cat? come to my house today? Yeah, I'm right here. He tells Mark he's right in the living room and he's petting Mark's cat. And that's when Mark said he didn't have a cat. So the home that he's in is undergoing renovations and it was really on the messy side. So this is two hours after he gets there. So he's been cleaning for two hours. All right. So Louise cleans for two hours. The work is finished. He discovers he's in the wrong spot. And he leaves. <laughs> Can you imagine if you came home from work and someone had been there and cleaned your house and left? Oh, my God. Yeah, that would be like, oh, what? <laughs> he leaves a note behind explaining that he went to the wrong home to clean. He added his phone number and his name. When the homeowner came home, his name is Tom Motzel. He calls his wife, Beth. 
to discover that someone broke in and cleaned. He tells his wife, you won't believe it. Someone broke into our house and cleaned the entire thing. Luis is like, I don't see a problem here. I don't see a problem. Come to find I cleaned the wrong apartment. I broke in and cleaned someone's random apartment. Uh, you're welcome. Because they never said thank you. So eventually they got in touch with each, with each other. They laughed about what happened. Yada, yada, yada. People on TikTok are saying he needs to start a cleaning business on the side. Where he just goes and breaks into random condos. and Angelino never condo. got paid for the work. Um, a lot of people said that that wasn't right. They should have paid him. But he basically well, but said... He basically okay, said no, he's, I, he's okay with not getting paid. I get both sides of the argument, yeah. though. Just because, like, they didn't hire him to come and clean. No, they didn't. So why should they pay him? Right. Right. And it was an honest was mistake an on his part. You know, they could have called the cops. They could have sued him for breaking in. But he didn't. Technically, they can't. Just because it's called breaking and entering. Technically, what he did would be considered burgling. Yes. But he didn't take anything. Doesn't nope, matter. Doesn't matter. Burgle, uh, burglary is actually the act of entering a okay. premises. Oh, okay. Without use of a weapon or breaking okay. in or whatever. Right. So, yes, he burgled the house and cleaned it. I mean, if, if somebody were to burgle me, I would hope that that's what they would do to my house. I'm just saying, can you imagine? If you get this call, you're a police officer. You get this phone call. Someone entered our home. Cleaned it. I need to make a police report. And you're the officer and you respond. Is anything missing? No. How do you know someone was here? They cleaned my house. <laughs> can you keep can you keep a straight face while you Right, as the officer is? as you're taking this down, you're like What? You really want to report this? <laughs> and if we find the individual, oh you don't have to worry. He left a note. Did you wanna press charges? I mean we've got all of his information, but because I don't really me, see a crime here. <laughs> I swear to God, if that was if if I was the one that did this. Here I come. If I was the one that, that accidentally cleaned the wrong house and they actually chose to press charges on me, I would beg them to take it to jury trial. I know, right? <laughs> That's funny. That's a good thought. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. All right. No, nothing's missing. No, nothing was broken. Yes, my house was immaculate. My dishes were done for the first time in 15 years. I could have eaten off the floor. <laughs> yes, that jury trial. <laughs> All I'm right. taking that shit jury trial. No right. problem. All right. <laughs> Are you guilty of a crime? I don't feel like I am. <laughs> Not intentionally. I think that burglary should have to be intentionally entering. A yeah. promise. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yes, he did intentionally, but not... Knowing that he was at the wrong place. Yeah, but then, you know, you have a friend open the door, and then somebody pushes you in, and you're accidentally in the home now. I mean, there's a whole lot of... Yeah, yeah. I, I, if it was me, and, and they actually press charges, I'd take it all the way to a jury trial. I'd take it to the Supreme Court. Hell yeah. We're going all the way. Oh, yeah. Somebody's going to get death row for that. Oh, man. All right. You <coughs> any other little tips? All right. We have a hospital over on Cape Cod. Okay. Who has um, they have a rule. For the safety of our patients, we do not accommodate visitation requests. But they decided to make an exception. Okay. Okay. It's a hospital, which is part of the New England Wildlife Centers. 
Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I'm thinking, what kind of hospital doesn't allow their patients to have visitors? Well, they didn't last year. Well, it's different, yeah. though. Yes, we were in the middle yes, of a pandemic. Did. You had to have, like, you could only have one visitor or two visitors a day. So, all right. So, this hospital is part of New England Wildlife Centers. The patient in question, his name is Arnold. Palmer? He's a Canada goose. Not Palmer. He's the Affleck duck. <gasps> Affleck. I know, he's a goose. Oh, wait. Yeah, I was going to say it's a goose, though. Yeah, Demon. I know. All right. All right. So Arnold lives near the Barnstable, Massachusetts Veterinary Center. Arnold was captured and operated on after a center worker observed that he was having trouble walking. Okay. They're pretty sure that his foot was injured by a snapping turtle. Oh. Yes. So they caught him. They are operating. They're getting ready to operate on him. Okay. However, he's mate for life. Arnold has a mate. Oh! Arnold's mate turned up at the hospital. Tapping on the window? Tapping on the door with her beak. Oh! Yes. While he's being prepared for surgery. And she kept trying to get in to be with him. Because that's his mate. They mate for life. That's what they do. This is so sweet. I love this. So they left the door of the operating room open. She got to watch the whole operation. And as he began to recover... He was also, they put him out there by the door. They didn't open the door, but they were on opposite sides of the door so they could see each other and be more at ease. They were both more at ease. Okay. So the hospital did a whole story on Facebook regarding Arnold. Oh. And I thought that that was pretty cool because I know human beings that aren't even that nice to their mates. Oh, that's very I was going to say, I wish human beings mated for life. That would be nice. That would be kind of cool. <laughs> do, you have, do you have any more tidbits? No. Okay. No, that was it. Right that was really cool. That was very cool. I have a story. Okay. Because it's World Honeybee Day today, I thought I would share a story about honeybees. So you did wear those earrings on purpose. And honey. No, actually, she didn't. And maybe not honey. Okay. So let's kick this off with a few facts about bees and honey that I actually, I thought they were really neat. Okay. Start with the fact that honey is the only food produced by insects that is consumed by humans. Oh, yeah, I already knew that one. I did, too, but it wasn't something I'd consciously thought about. Yeah, it puts it into perspective. That's really an interesting kind of, like, when you really think about we it. We learned a lot of really cool stuff with the honey. We did. We went to. The average honeybee only produces a twelfth of a teaspoon of honey in its lifetime. My God, that's a lot of bees. That's a lot of bees. <clears throat> yeah, an insane amount of bees. Isn't honey just bee spit? It's, no. No? No. No. Hmm. Honeybees dance when they return to the hive to tell the other bees where the flowers are. That's kind of cool. They do this like little, yeah, yeah the little jig. Yeah, I'm just trying it. to imagine that. Like, who sets those parameters? Like, if you do this jig, they are here. If you do this jig, they are here. Like, who does that? I don't know. <laughs> the bee foreman. <laughs> Honey is fat-free, cholesterol-free, sodium-free, and contains. 18 different amino acids. It is like the world's most perfect food, actually. It is. Enzymes in the bee's stomach inhibit bacteria growth, which is part of why honey never spoils. Before the 11th century, Germans used honey as a high-value currency. Ooh. That makes sense. Really? Yeah. Do you know why? No. Because it was the perfect ingredient for sweetening beer. I did not know that. Ooh, yeah. It is. Honey is the only food in existence that contains every single ingredient needed to keep you alive. 
Consuming honey from your local area within a 60 mile radius can help combat seasonal allergies. I've heard that one. Mm-hmm. Did not learn that at the honeybee farm. But I, I learned that in that my recently. I learned that in my day job. Wasps that produce honey do exist. Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> Neither did I. It's called the Mexican honey wasp. Why does he got to be Mexican? Because he wears a sombrero. Do they have a problem getting over the border? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I know that's going to get cut. But... <laughs> Only if they drive. <laughs> They're in there digging tunnels. You just see the little the, the border patrol just going, I see those wasps. Oh, no. As long as they fly and they have a passport, they're fine. Excuse me. <laughs> Can you stop? I need to see your passport. Aw. <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> so the Mexican honey wasp. Here's the thing about them, though. Some of the honey that they produce can be poisonous due to the flowers that they collect pollen from. I think I did a story on one of some of those flowers. There's a bee beard contest in Ontario, Canada <gasps> to see who can this. create the most impressive bee beard. Oh, it's scary. Bee beard? Yes. Yes. They put stuff on their face to attract the bees. And they actually will form a beard. Yes. People are weird. Yes. Yes, they are. <clears throat> Very much so. Bees never sleep. They go into the hive at night, and they just flutter their wings to maintain temperature and stuff. They never, they never actually sleep. Maybe they don't want to. Bees can be trained to locate buried landmines. That's a short Who, no. leash. Who in the hell did this? Like, this had to have been done for somebody to know it. I don't know, but I would like to say I see a story in that. I do, too. That's awesome. I, I, wanted, I, I need to know more. Okay. <laughs> Bees and landmines. Make a note. I'm on it. In the U.S., more than 300 different types of honey are produced every year. Different types of honey come from different kinds of flowers. Yep. So... Honey made from rhododendron is poisonous, though rarely fatal. Nice. So now that we have learned a little bit about honey and bees, let's move on to something related but weird. Okay. For those of our listeners who aren't aware, bee numbers worldwide have been dwindling at a rapid pace for the last few years. There are a lot of factors that go into the reasons why, but they include pollution, insecticides, a loss of natural habitats, and a loss of natural food sources. Because approximately a third of the food we consume is a direct result of bee pollination, this is a really, really bad Mm -hmm. thing. Seriously bad. In August of 2012, beekeepers in northeast France became alarmed, and rightfully so, when they went to collect honey from their hives. What was in their hives wasn't honey-colored at all. In fact, they weren't really sure what they were looking at or what could have caused it. The liquid in the hives was, in fact, various shades of blue, green, and even an odd brown. It ranged from gem-colored to muddy-looking. They got into Skittles. (laughs) I doubt it. (laughs) This wasn't just one apiary, and an apiary is is basically a bee farm. Yep. At least 12 separate beekeepers around the area of, and I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, but let's just go with it, Riboville, France, found this mysterious liquid in their hives. And the keepers turned themselves into investigators 
to get to the bottom of the issue. Whatever was causing this was more than just an issue of color. Because of the dwindling bee numbers, beekeepers were already refacing reduced revenue due to a lack of honey production. And the previous winter had been seriously harsh, which had also caused problems with right. honey production and right. bee numbers. So whatever this was in their hives wasn't going to be sellable. And that was another serious setback for people who make their living off of the hives. Soon, though, the beekeepers believed that they had found the cause. Candy. Jolly Ranchers, I'm telling you. A few miles outside of town was a processing plant that handled waste from the Mars Candy Company. Specifically, they handled containers that held residue from M&Ms. Oh. You see where this is going? I do. Red and green and blue and brown. So the beekeepers alerted the company and the investigation revealed that the bees were feeding on the leftover residue. Brown, blue, green, yellow, red, orange. They were feeding on it because of a lack of local natural food sources. The company quickly worked to help alleviate the issue for the bees. They came up with a solution that included cleaning the containers thoroughly and storing the unclean containers inside of a covered area that the bees couldn't access easily. Now, well, they should plant some stuff too, though. I was going to say. They like... should. They should take a plot of land and plant I agree. some stuff and so I, and, that they and have perhaps a they, food source. And perhaps they did, but that wasn't a part of this. <clears throat> so France is one of Europe's largest producers of honey. They turn out more than 18,000 tons per year. That's a lot of bees. Of the golden sweet stuff. It is a lot of bees. There is actually a beekeepers union, which oversees the production and the sale of honey. Now, the, the colored liquid from the hives tastes exactly like honey, but it was deemed unfit for sale by the union because of the color and the fact that the introduction of the candy residue made it not pure honey. Right. Sadly... This isn't an isolated incident. Also in 2012, in Brooklyn, New York, beekeepers were alarmed to find bright red honey in their beehives. The investigation there led to the discovery that the bees were feeding on the liquid from a local maraschino cherry factory. Oh my God. I would buy that honey. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely for the same reasons, a lack of, yeah. of local natural Oh, in New sources. York, yeah. Yeah. Now, honey shade tells a lot about the honey itself. It tells about flower type, storage temp, whether it's raw, whether it's been heated and filtered. In the southern U.S., bees are actually known to produce a honey that is a dark purple color because of the flowers that they naturally feed on. Right. The USDA gives color honey a color range of seven different shades that are deemed acceptable for sale. And they range from water white to dark amber colored. The darker a honey the bolder and more robust the flavor. And of course, as we already talked about, color and flavor is determined by the flowers. Right. So buckwheat, eucalyptus, orange blossom, wildflower, they all taste differently from each other and they will all be slightly different colors. Beekeepers only change the color of honey when adding dried fruit powder to infuse a flavor or when making flavored creamed honey or honey sticks. I actually buy lemon cream honey at work. Oh, it's amazing. The USDA has guidelines, but no mandatory standards for what can or cannot be added to the honey. The beekeepers union is much more strict about what can be sold and called honey. Right. That makes sense. Sadly, 
Whole hives can die when substances that are sweet but toxic are brought into the hive. And bees yeah. don't know the difference. No. Antifreeze is a good example. Yeah, that would be scary. There are things that we can all do to help our local bees. Keep toxic products and unnatural substances cleaned up and closed tightly. Stop mowing my lawn. <laughs> Stop mowing your lawn, sure. <laughs> of course, you're going to have to fight your you know, local government with that one. Oh, I but. will. I'll take it all the way to the Supreme Court. <laughs> <laughs> you can. We can all plant flowers, fruits, vegetables, different shrubs and things to give your local bees something to feed on. You can support your local beekeepers. Buy local honey. And if you ever get the chance to tour a working bee farm like Mary and I did last year. It was an amazing experience. Absolutely do it. It is an amazing and eye-opening experience. You will learn things that you could never even imagine. And it may just encourage you to start a hive in your own backyard. We did talk about that. I was already thinking about that. We did talk about that. I know someone who actually, they have a huge piece of property up north, and they have enough hives on their land that they now bottle and sell their own honey. I, I kind of need to learn the process of doing that. Well, we went to the bee farm. They actually talked about that. The bee farm that we went to, um, when it gets too cold in their area for the bees to actively work, they actually rent their hives. They ship them to Florida to orange orchards and stuff. Yeah. And so the bees get to work all year round, and then in exchange, they get the hives back, and they're full of honey. So, yeah, it's, it's it very, was. it was a really eye-opening experience. It was super amazing. It and was. it's really interesting to know that, so the bees actually produce more than just honey. There's beeswax, there's royal jelly, there's honey, there's right. propolis, there's bee pollen. There's, there's nothing that goes to waste. Every nothing. single thing. Every single thing, yep, can be used and consumed by humans or other um, in some form. And actually, the bees eat honey. That's what they live off of. But bee cherries. <laughs> yeah. Beekeepers intentionally do not take more honey than, than they should. They take the excess and they leave honey behind for the bees to live on, right. which I didn't know. Um, until I actually started researching this story. They didn't talk about that when we were at the farm. Right. So it was very cool. I learned a lot doing this story. And it was, this is a very interesting story. It was. Cool. It was. But when I, there are pictures actually of the, of the M&M honey. And some of it's really beautiful. And some of it I'm like, ooh, it looks like the water that's left in a jar when a little kid's painting with watercolors. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not attractive. There wasn't a lot to, for me to pick apart in this story. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but sometimes we just need to learn something and, and not necessarily have it be. Okay. Yeah. It right. just happened to fit in. I already had the story done, and I actually didn't wear these knowing that it was World Bee Day, World Honey Bee Day. So. I'm working on the just listening part and not speaking. You're doing a perfectly good job, and I love the, your comments, so keep them coming. Alrighty, so now we're going to hop into our little tiny time machines, and we're going to... Head back to Friday, March 28th, 1947. Okay. Picture this. Calling all cars, calling all cars. Be on the lookout for brand new 44 passenger cream and red colored diesel passenger bus number 1310. 
Its driver, 37-year-old William Lawrence Camillo, is also missing. If you're trying to go for the uh, unintelligible train conductor thing, you probably shouldn't, just because, you know, the idea is for them to hear us. They'll be able to hear us. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So it's presumed that the driver stole the bus. Okay. The bus is missing? The bus is missing. The driver's missing. The driver's missing. Were there people on the bus? Good question. Let's find out, shall we? All right. That might have been a little bit of dramatization, but just needed your attention. There's a missing bus. Got it. So missing bus, driver, they're really missing. What we know at the time is that Camille drove the bus. It was only one month old. And in 1947, it was worth $18,000. Okay, that's... Today, that's $216,000. And it's not as if there were, like, massive buildings to really hide this bus in easily back then. You figure 44-passenger bus, that's a pretty decent size. Yes. So we know that he drove the bus out of the Surface Transportation System garage at 2050 Western Avenue in the Bronx at 6.50 a.m. for his usual run that morning. He's a bus driver. That's what he does. Okay. Except... That William never picked up a single fare that day. And two hours later, the bus is spotted about 20 miles away in Clifton, New Jersey, near the home of one of the company's mechanics. Just a wee bit off course there. A little bit. So almost immediately, a teletype alarm is transmitted to the police in 11 states around New York to keep an eye out for the bus. But okay. they already they, they know where it's at. It was only spotted. Doesn't say who spotted it. So now you have a gigantic bus that's missing. It's big. It's really big. It's not really the kind of thing that you can hide easily, as you said, that no one could find it. It's the magic school bus. The bus seemed to have just <laughs> vanished into thin air. The magic school bus. That's the, exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> and the press is having a field day. Did you check his bloodstream? Within 48 hours, the story hit the front page of newspapers all across the United States. It's now been missing for 48 hours. And still the bus. And nobody has seen this bus. It's nowhere to be found. Definitely the magic school bus. It has to be. It has to be a time machine of some sort. That is until 7 a.m. on Monday, March 31st. Did you get to 8.6 gigawatts or or kilowatts? I don't remember what it was for back then. No, but you know what? Monday Monday morning, 7 a.m., they opened the bus garage. Poof! It was never missing to begin with. They just couldn't find it. They just painted it a different color. (laughs) Not quite. Oh, okay. Not quite. Police found it sitting empty on the side of the road. Ran out of gas. On U.S. Route 1, about two miles outside of Hollywood, Florida. He was going to Hollywood. Not too far from the Gulfstream Park racetrack. Why are you looking at me that way? She's looking at me like, what? What? Florida? How did Florida come into this story? How in the world did the bus get from New York City to Florida? And nobody saw it. In 1947, the bus is about 1,500 miles away from home. What's even more interesting is that the Hollywood police didn't even know the bus was stolen. They just knew it was sitting on the side of the road. They didn't have any buses like that, so they thought it was pretty cool. Emma, you said Florida. Yeah, Florida. Hollywood is not There's a town in Florida called Hollywood. Oh, is there? Yes. I was unaware. Yes. So the Hollywood police... Simply saw the bright, shiny bus with New York license plates. They didn't have anything like it in their area. They pretty much just stopped because they were curious. They didn't know. It was- Ooh, shiny! Yeah. What they found was a locked bus in perfect shape. 
and inside the bus they could see a brown jacket hanging on the back of the driver's seat, a sleeveless sweater, and a tan shirt. It kind of looked like it had been hand-washed and hung out to dry. And the bus would have continued to sit there for more days if the vice president of the surface transportation company back in New York hadn't received an urgent telegram at 8.34 a.m. on Monday morning. Said telegram said, with disabled bus number 1310, stop. In need of $50, stop. Answer care of Western Union, stop. Send money to Hollywood, stop. Camille. Yes, you heard that right. If you're going to steal a bus <laughs> and you run it out of gas, because I'm assuming that's probably why it's disabled, probably shouldn't ask your boss that you stole money. it from for the money. Maybe it's not stolen. Maybe he actually, maybe like somebody called and, and needed a pickup in Florida. He ran out of money and he contacted the bus that he stole it from. He contacted the company he stole the bus from and asked them to give him more money. Well, he hasn't clocked out in a while, I'm just saying. He's getting overtime. Instead of wiring the cash, the vice president contacted the New York City police, who then contacted their colleagues down in Hollywood to arrest him. They, in turn, planted men around the abandoned bus and at the racetrack. And they waited, and they waited, and about 6.30 p.m., a man fitting Camille's description walked into the Western Union office at the racetrack to see if any money had been wired to him. Officers approached and asked if he was Camille. He said yes, he was. He was arrested and placed in the local jail. When asked if he had placed any bets at the racetrack, he denied that he had because he only had $2.60 in his possession. So Camille claims that the root of all of these troubles can be traced back to some financial difficulties he was having with some bookmakers. And we didn't place a bet at the racetrack? Why would you go all the way to Florida to place a bet? Like, there's no racetracks closer than Florida? With a stolen bus. Why don't you just use your own car? Right. It would have been a lot cheaper on gas. That's you think? for damn sure. Maybe he didn't have a car. Maybe he didn't. So. 1941? Use a 47, horse. Borrow yeah. your friends. 1947. 1947. It might have been cheaper to take a cab at that point. So Camille claimed... He started driving the same old grind day after day. He'd driven it for 16 years. And for some reason, he decided to take a side and left instead of a right on that Monday morning when he pulled out of the bus garage. He was unable to explain why, but he just had this incredible impulse to drive and drive and drive. I mean, I've had that impulse too. I just don't follow it. Something happened to me, he said, when I pulled out of the garage. All of a sudden, I was telling myself, baby, this is it. I left town in a hurry, and somehow I didn't care where I went. I turned the wheel to the left, and soon I was on highway number one, bound for Florida. I'm a little confused. He left New York. He drove 15 hours, made his first stop. He slept the first night in a tourist cabin in Virginia. The second night, was stay he stayed at a Georgia cabin. He had actually taken the subway sign off of the bus and replaced it with the word special. And anyone, anytime someone questioned him, asking where he was headed, he simply said south. He drove through eight different states. He arrived at Hollywood, Florida that Sunday morning, which is when he required his request for more funds. Amazingly, he did not believe that the company would hold a grudge against him because he did have every intention of returning the bus unharmed. On April 5th, four days after his arrest, Camillo was handed an armload of coconuts as a souvenir of his stay in Florida. What? 
Game times were different back then. He boarded his bus, and he started his journey back to New York. His bus is in the, the bus from the company? Yes, ma'am. Times were much different then. This time, however, he was not exactly at the wheel. That responsibility was assigned to the company mechanic, John Anderson, along with two detectives who was there to accompany the prisoner. Being returned from Florida, they were all aboard the bus. By the time the bus pulled into Wilmington, Delaware, three days later, Camille had actually become a national hero. Here was the common man who grew frustrated with the daily grind and basically told his boss to take this job and shove it. When they pulled into Wilmington, the bus was immediately surrounded by reporters, photographers, and movie cameramen who insisted on a complete reenactment of his arrival in town. And Times they did. were much simpler back then. <laughs> I was freaking amazed. Just amazed. As the camera rolled, the bus with Camille aboard was escorted through the city by a patrolman on a motorcycle. As they approached Pennsylvania Station, the motorcycle came to a stop, but the bus didn't. <laughs> and ran over the patrolman. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Knocked him to the ground. Was he okay? The driver was taken to the Wilmington Police Station, the driver of the bus. Patrolman was okay, and the bus company had to pay $17.50 for damage to the motorcycle. The next morning, as the bus emerged from the Holland Tunnel into Manhattan, it stopped one block from the Beach Street Police Station to let off the nine reporters and photographers <laughs> who had jumped aboard back in Delaware. Oh, my God. This isn't a fiasco. I just don't know what is. Again... Camille and the bus makes its grand return, where they are met by hundreds of cheering people. Oh, my God. And dozens of additional reporters standing outside the police station. Inside, Camille is booked on a charge of grand larceny, which carried a possible sentence of up to 10 years. Taking it all the way to the Supreme Court, man. I am. (laughs) (laughs) But he didn't stay there long. He didn't burgle the bus, though. (laughs) Yeah, but he... But he was bringing it back. He was given a $1,000 bail, which was paid by the company that he worked for. What? (laughs) So he could go home to his wife and children. (laughs) Even at this point in time, I can't even say times were simpler back then. This just doesn't make any sense at all. doesn't make any sense. So when he's questioned, the company president refused to say whether or not the company was going to press charges against him. But let's face it, if they're posting bail for him, things are... Pretty much looking up for him. Until he steals the bus again? At least it appeared that way until the next day when he was arraigned in Bronx County Court. The chief assistant district attorney, Sylvester Ryan, made it very clear that Camille's behavior was totally unacceptable. We are living in a system where in order to maintain law and order, we are required to restrain our impulses. It was revealed that on October 30th, the previous October 30th, Camille had been fined $25 on a bookmaking charge which was followed on December 11th of another $200 fine for the same offense. This time he was given that the second time he was given a 30-day suspended sentence for his crime. So basically he was not the innocent character that the press had made him out to be that everybody was cheering for. Well, they had no way of knowing, I don't he think. He was a petty gambler who owed $1,896 to various loan companies for his gambling debts. Wow. And in 1947, that's that's a good chunk of money. Yeah. It was also revealed in the press that he had been suspended by the bus company three months earlier. Uh, due, okay. due to inconsistencies between the fares he collected 
and the account book that he was turning in. Oh, the suspension lasted one day. He was cleared of any wrongdoing and his wages were completely restored. So Camille's response to all of this is that he simply had a little trouble financially. He wanted to go away, think about it quietly. At the racetrack. He just went for a joy ride. Yet, no matter what was written about him, <clears throat> nothing in the press really did anything to change the public's perception of him. Drivers back at the bus terminal voted to hold a dance at the Bronx Winter Garden to raise funds to pay off all of his debts and to hire him the best legal talent possible. And finally, on the following April 17th, he received word that he had his old job back. He was placed on a one-year probation and he went back to work the very next day. He was given the same bus route, but not the same bus. And on that trip, seven reporters and photographers accompanied him on his trip out of the garage when he went back to work. Passengers went out of their way to ride aboard his bus. One of the dance committee members rode on the bus and sold tickets for the fundraiser. After school let out, it was there with an estimated 350 screaming high school girls who tried to board his bus for a ride home. And that's the way it went until basically September 14th of 1948, so the following year, when he made the news once again. But this time he had actually done nothing wrong. He died? He received a company award for safe driving. Well, in all fairness, he made it all the way to Florida without an accident. And on the way back, he wasn't driving the bus when it hit the patrolman. That is true. The mechanic was. That's right. Out of 2,200 bus drivers, there were only awards given out to 1,100 of them. Half of them. <laughs> yes, one out of every two. <laughs> and the only one to make the news is Camille. Three years, six months, 19 days after he stole the bus, the larceny charge was fully dismissed. The tragic death of Elizabeth Taylor's third husband once again thrust him into the spotlight. What? <laughs> what? It is said that Elizabeth Taylor's third husband, Mike Todd, had been working on a script for his next movie production entitled The Busman's Holiday. The script was forwarded by airmail to Mike's offices in California, but it never arrived because Todd had gone down in an airplane crash. And so had the script. Well, at least it wasn't a bus crash. Todd was killed in a crash near Grants, New Mexico. The script went down near Chicago, so they weren't even on the same plane. <laughs> at some point, it's just fate. <laughs> I'm just thinking, Mary, are you making this up? I feel like she's just making this up as she goes. She's not that damn creative. <laughs> after, Mike Todd, after Mike Todd's death, the script is finally delivered to his office. Pages are scorched and water-stained. In 1958, it was announced that his son, Mike Jr., and his stepmother, Elizabeth Taylor, had set up a production company, and their first film would be titled The Busman's Holiday. For the love of God. Did you watch this movie? No. <laughs> That'll be on our to-do list. <laughs> We're going on vacation soon. That'll be on the to-do list. Okay. Elizabeth Taylor would not only star as a beauty queen in the film, but it would also mark the first time she ever sang on film. The film was obviously very loosely, loosely based on his bus excursion. Um, while filming did start on the movie for unknown reasons, the project was scrapped and never really completed. So, no, we're not going to get to watch Aww. the film. Oh, <gasps> we can make our own. Yes, we go. can make our own The Busman's Holiday. 
When interviewed in March of 1960, Camille said, the New York traffic gets you. It's like driving in a squirrel cage. Think about that for a minute. When questioned as to whether he would ever do something so drastic again, he added, you tell somebody a joke a sec time, second time, it's not always so funny. I like this guy now. <laughs> William Lawrence Camillo died in September of 1975 at 66 years of age. That is the busman. Wow. <laughs> that was uh, also an interesting story. Un- uh, unexpected? It was, yes. It was very unexpected. <laughs> Kind of speechless. We're gonna end on that note. <laughs> Actually, I was still. I was. I was back on the the squirrel cage. Have you ever driven in one? I was trying to decide. Is it that the bus is the squirrel cage, or the traffic is the squirrel cage? He said New York traffic is like driving in a squirrel cage. He said, "Have you ever driven in New York traffic? It's like driving in a squirrel cage." So I was just trying to figure out: was he referring to the bus? I assume the, the traffic. Cage? Or the traffic? I assume the traffic. I would assume the traffic. It's just how it works in my head. Didn't know this story was going to be so thought-provoking. It was bizarre. It was bizarre. It was definitely bizarre, and I am heartbroken that we will not get to see the movie. We'll make our own. It'll be our next profession. I'll make sure to do... They, they got all these reality TV shows. I'll just hire a camera crew to follow me, steal a bus, and drive to Florida. Well, I was thinking, you know, your mom and I, we're supposed to go on vacation. We're supposed to go to Pennsylvania. I'm driving. What if I just... Steal a bus? Take a left. Instead of a right, yeah. Instead of Pennsylvania, we end up... Hollywood, Florida. Hollywood, California. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. All right. Thanks, everybody, who stopped by and... Spent a little bit of time with us today. We hope you enjoyed what you heard, and we do appreciate your time. You can find us on Facebook at Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know. You can find us at TMSIDNTK at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter, um, Instagram. We have an Instagram. You set it up. You should know. Oh, yes, we do. We have an Instagram. That's right. We might have a Reddit account. Oh, dear Lord. TikTok us, guys. Okay. Suggestions, ideas, comments. We'd love to hear them. Um, We have an amazing amount of fun with some of the other suggestions that listeners sent to us. I still want to know about bees and landmines. Bees and landmines. We'll cover it in a future future episode. Yes. We'll invite you to come listen, okay? okay? If you enjoyed your short stop with us, feel free to follow the podcast. Leave us a rating and a review. Hell yeah. Those really, really, really do help us. We are available pretty much anywhere you can listen to your podcast on. Um, Feel free to share the podcast. We don't have a problem with that. And if you have your own podcast and you want to cross-advertise, hit us up. We Look at you trying to to sound hip. We would love to do that with you guys. Hip and groovy, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) The look on your face is priceless. (laughs) Had to look a few times today. <laughs> I'm just wondering what the hell you were smoking before you came over today. Don't Holy ask. Shit. Don't tell. Don't forget it is Andrew Appreciation Day. The Andrew Appreciation Day. So make sure that you find the Andrew and tell the Andrew in your life just how much you appreciate him. I am the only the Andrew. The rest are just a Andrew. <laughs> 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 On that note, y'all have a great day. Bye. Bye. Bye.